and welcome to the Rory's Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares our own winner at some of pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. It's been so long since I've actually said that that I've completely forgotten the spiel. And welcome aboard to Duncan Joyce once again. How's things going, Duncan? Hello, Lee. Hello, everyone. It's good to be back. Yeah. Um, hope you're doing well. Yeah, doing a lot better. Um, rough couple of months here as far as recording goes. Um, between spending two weeks lay out in bed with some weird virus that I couldn't get up from over my birthday and end of football season and away for a tournament. I've not really watched much wrestling other than these shows, which I've had on the back burner for a while. How about yourself? Oh, that's a shame. I've actually been able to get through my whole entire New Japan backlog this autumn. Where do you watch that? I've been, this is one of the things I've been meaning to watch from New Japan, and I never know where to start. Um... New Japan World itself has a lot of English pages nowadays. Okay. And it's it's 999 yen a month, which I think, I don't know where it works out in uh, Australian dollars, but it's definitely cheaper than the network. I think it's something like £6.80 or something over okay. here. So probably about a tenner over here then, which is not too bad. I think the network's about $15, $16. Yeah, and the thing as well with the time zones, it work out well for you watching live as well. Okay, I might get check that out. I might, even if I just dabble for a month and see if I actually watch any of it and have time, it might be worthwhile. Wouldn't mind doing. I actually mm-hmm. that one of the things I've always wanted to do for the show was a Japanese pay per view versus an American pay per view. Uh, let me think. Um, Ring, I think Ring of Honor's most recent pay per view was the same weekend as New Japan's most recent Super Show. Okay. Um. It might have been the same day as No Mercy, to be honest. Oh, sneaky triple threat. That'd be a lot of watching, though. Yeah. <laughs> that might be like a two. That might have to be a two-part or something. Yeah, it might have to be. All right, I'm going to look into that now. Then I've, I've never even thought of it. I'll have to um, have a look in access and see if I can get it going over here. Can you? Have they got an app for it, like on the network, or is it just purely on browser? It's definitely in browser. I think uh, certain. I'm not I, again. I'm not sure what it'd be like in your territory, but in US, I think they're on Roku boxes and things like that. Okay. I don't think they'll be on PlayStation Store though. Oh. Fair enough. Well, I'll look into that. But we've got some slightly different matters to attend to today. So we're here for the first of a uh, of a two parter, a big two parter. We've got that we've been having on the back burner for quite a while. So. First up is our next Raw and Impact head-to-head, which is kind of, we're in that weird zone that I get in on my timeline always, where one company has TV while the other company has a pay-per-view um, on different weeks. So we're on the, the go-home Raw to WrestleMania, March 22nd, up against the post-pay-per-view edition of Impact, March 22nd as well, um, which is followed on from Destination X. And the second part of this episode, will look at Destination X up against WrestleMania, which is the week following. So for today, we're going to go through the TV. So as always, some of it will be a little bit out of order, but were you excited to watch these two shows? There's some interesting stuff here as well. Yeah, um, I, I think as well, going back to what we were saying about the order, Impact had a lot of stuff in their approach that didn't depend upon what having seen the pay-per-view which i found really interesting yeah but we'll get more into that as we get to impact specifically there's um Um, some of those storylines we talked about being on the back burner starting to come back on impact now after the pay-per-view wasn't there we were talking about that a fair while ago but it starts to crop back up particularly with the pope and whatnot yeah for sure yeah and um I guess it's trying to put over the depth in their roster and stuff as people who were on the pay-per-view all had pretty significant matches. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, so as far as these two episodes go, Raw comes to us from San Jose, California, and it drew a 3.2. Uh, Impact, of course, comes from the Impact Zone in Orlando, Florida, and that drew a 0.9, which was slightly up, as we just discussed before coming on here, uh, 0.85 they got the week before. So post-pay-per-view and going up against the go-home Raw to WrestleMania, I suppose it was a positive for them to have a bump up, even if they've not got back to their old ratings from the other time slot on, on Thursday nights. It's going to be difficult in WrestleMania season anyway. Yeah, definitely. Probably, in hindsight, not the best month to try this. <laughs> but that's sort of the, the rundown of where we're at. Should we head over to Raw first? Have you got your notes ready for Raw? I'm all ready for Raw, yeah. We can get to it. All right, let's do it. Oh, oh, sure. I think he's cute. He's so sexy. He's got the look. This rise of girls As I said before, it wasn't a bit a while ago that I watched this, but my first note says that there was an epileptic-inducing opening on Raw. Um, I'm assuming there was a lot of lights and flashes, but it was a long time ago, so you'll have to look that one up and see for yourself um, before throwing to Michael Cole and Jerry the King Lawler for the commentary team for the night. Um, first order of business is Shawn Michaels coming out. We get a little bit of a recap of him hitting Sweet Chin Music on the... Um, on Smack, the previous SmackDown episode after The Undertaker had beaten Drew McIntyre. And then we go to a Shawn Michaels promo in the ring. Shawn has a feeling. I got a feeling. It was deemed to be, uh, according to Michael Cole, Drew, Drew McIntyre's first official loss in WWE. Oh, okay. Um, it's... Now, actually listening back, uh, he did actually lose on television a couple of times already, but they all got like, rescinded or overridden by Vince McMahon. Like, he lost some money in the bank qualifiers. Ah, uh, the chosen one. Mm. There's also a sign in the crowd for Pete Rose, but it doesn't spell Rose like the flower. Rose is in, like, rows and columns. <laughs> There's a lot of misspelling on some of these signs of these shows. Well, there'll be another one coming up, especially. Uh, my my favourites always, were always Ric Flair with a K and Bret Hart with two Ts. <sighs> seeing that so many we times we had a Brett with two T's I think at some point. <laughs> more than likely it's a fairly common occurrence yeah. <laughs> um, so Sean's promo he has a feeling um, he mentions this popped me huge he's going through his career obviously he's in wind down mode the thought that he might retire here he talks about throwing Marty Jannetty through the glass window that was awesome um, favourite childhood memory of mine and Brought up, I don't know if you saw on Twitter this week, but the or the best dad joke I've ever seen. What operating system does Marty Jannetty use? Go on. Windows ninety one. 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very, very thankful that he didn't say he kicked Janetti through the glass window. No, he didn't. he didn't. That is the biggest misnomer. <laughs> like, I was watching an old Best of Raw DVD when I was back home the other weekend, and it was Michaels versus Janetti from that brawl in May 93 when Janetti won the IC title. Great moment. And the caption pops up with all these captions of like interesting facts and stuff. It's like, oh, Shawn Michaels and Manny Janetti were tag partners for years. Dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. Until Shawn kicked Janetti through a glass window, that is. <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't. And, uh, Do your research. In, in a pretty well a timely thought here with the, the passing of Bobby Heenan last week um how amazing was Bobby Heenan during that angle uh that was just absolutely brilliant I might even splice a little bit of that in here where he's oh, one without oh, the other's goodness. no good one without the other's no good and then he hits him I knew he was gonna do that see he didn't need him at all it's just brilliant I'll tell you what I'm gonna do I'm gonna turn my back to you right now and if you want to go on your own, then walk off and leave. If you want to stick together and make this thing work, when I turn around, we're going to shake hands and we're going to go on a rock and roll like the rockers can do. They need each other. You know that. Sounds fair to me. He's not going to walk away. They need each other. in this bit or uh, one of the other packages we've had during this feud, but they, they use that clip of Heenan calling Michaels the wrestler of the 90s. Yeah. Um, I'm, that, yeah. yeah I, th- I think that does come up in a, in a moment. Yeah, we get the video package. Um, Sean says that he can do anything, and he pulls out the, the classic early Sean Michaels line of, I've got news for you. So throwing us right back to the early 90s, Sean. Um, he mucks up one of his lines, I think the, um, the, the showstopper line, which gets him some booze. And then we go to the video, as you said, said about playing of Shawn Michaels' career. Um, it just pops up on screen. So it's obviously something Shawn hadn't instigated, and it comes up with a rest in peace graphic at the end of it, uh, which leads Shawn Michaels to calling out The Undertaker. And then, unfortunately, The Undertaker doesn't come out, but another epic 
wrestling personality does, and it's Pete Rose. Um, this just popped me huge. Pete Rose coming out on Raw. I don't know. It just tickled me. Uh, yeah, I got no clue. Like my first WrestleMania was WrestleMania 2000. And they're like, oh, it's Pete Rose again. What's he doing? Oh, he's in chicken. Who is this guy? Why? What? <laughs> that, that was the hat trick. He'd been there the two previous, and it was brilliant. Pete Rose's face at WrestleMania 14 when Kane grabs him is just amazing. <laughs> he's a celebrity that just got it. Um, but he does, um, <laughs> he, talk, he books a match, which I think on the last show, we talked about him booking matches from home, which was a complete pile of nonsense. At least he was here for this oh, one. Yeah. <laughs> he books Shawn Michaels up against Kane and he wants Shawn Michaels to get revenge for him. I just, uh, <laughs> I, I, having not re- like kind of dropped off the radar of wrestling at this point in time, I was amazed at how great this opening segment was. I just loved it. <laughs> Uh, he also books it as no count out, no disqualification. And then we end the segment and we go to a video package on the John Cena and Batista issues before going to our first commercial break. Yeah, lots of Cena, Batista packages throughout the night. Um, two more signs I forgot to mention as well. Um, one says, hello, all my friends. <laughs> Biggest shout out, okay. And then the second one, which was pretty significant, I paid to see Daniel Bryan. Ooh, keep yeah, keep that one to yourself, eh? <laughs> they, yeah, they don't want to hear so that. The, the original NXT just started. Um, like you're saying about Sean fluffing his lines, he called himself the heart, but eight kid. Yeah, that must have been what it was. I just wrote that he mucked up his line and expected to remember, but it was, you know, two months ago that I watched it or something. Yeah. Um, he was possibly distracted by his own nose hair, which seriously needed trimming. <laughs> his face just got weirder as he got older, didn't it? He, he sort of, his head aged quicker than the rest of him. There was one unflattering shot of him backstage at NXT or something, and... People said he just looked like Clint Eastwood, like, get off my lawn, Eric. <laughs> I can definitely picture that. Um, when we come back from commercial, we go to our first contest of the night, which is The Miz and John Morrison. But again, I'm probably going to be jumping in with sidebars all over the show here. But here's a fun fact for you. I met The Miz and John Morrison in Kmart, Chermside in Brisbane. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> In the worst part was, right, so me and my brother went, this was probably, WWE came over for the first time in 2002, I think. It was Brocken and Rocks. It must have been 2002. And I only did a show in Melbourne and it sold out huge and they sold DVDs. I think they even did it on pay-per-view, I think, in America, but I could be wrong on that. Um, Yeah, Global Warming. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. we got that DVD over Yeah, it's a good show. I didn't go to that. I was... 18 or so at the time so um, not really in a financial state to fly to Melbourne and pay what was pretty high priced tickets for their first ever show Um, but then the success of that they started coming out touring and this was probably a year or two after that Miz and Morrison it must have been probably what 2005-ish maybe when they were a tag team 2007 they got paired together for the first time I think in that era then so a little while later anywho they um, did a? They announced. The, I think it was. A, I think they were, were they on SmackDown. I think oh, maybe. Which I think it was a SmackDown show. But anyway, they announced that two wrestlers would be appearing at Kmart for an autograph signing, and they never mentioned who. So me and my brother went along, took all this merchandise to try and get signed, and it's bloody Miz and Morrison. We're like second in line, and we've got nothing with Miz and Morrison on it whatsoever. 
So it was a bit of a little bit of a, a letdown. They did cut a good heel promo in like the ladies' clothing section though, where their table was set up. So that was pretty <laughs> funny. That's a line I never find. When you like, you know, when you watch them on TV and they heel on the crowd and it all seems so natural, and then they do it next yeah. to like an old lady tr- trying to find her right bra size, it does just doesn't seem the same. <laughs> anyway. Uh... Um, I met, uh, what I got to, I won, uh, a meet and greet with the primetime players. Oh, nice. Making moves. Yeah, I went back in 2013. Yeah, I had my first ever WWE house show. I won a competition for WWE 2K. Nice. That's one shirt I'd buy their shirt. That's one shirt that I'd wear their shirt. I thought they had a cool shirt. They should have left them together. I liked them. I did really, really like them, yeah, yeah. So how did you win that? Uh, it was a Facebook competition. They had, like, screenshots of the game all blurred out, and they wanted to get you to guess what the WrestleMania matchup was. Oh, nice. And um, it was it was Chris Jericho versus Triple H, Mania, X8. Okay. Was it, oh, yeah, it was, because it was Rock and Hogan before that, wasn't it? The, the cleaning up the dog poo angle. Oh, yeah. Actually, I'm going to a meet and greet next month as well. I don't know who with again. must be something about Australia. They don't tell you who it's with. But there's a... It's International Assault or something. It's like an indie coming over. And of notable names on the card are X-Pac, The Headbangers, Austin Aries, Ricochet, Zack Sabre Jr., uh, Tessa Blanchard, and uh, Joey Ryan. Wow, that's a pretty good mix then. And there's, I know the only match they've announced for Brisbane, I think, is Ricochet up against Zack Sabre Jr. So I'm pretty pumped for that. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and we got the meet and greet. We don't know who it's with, but it was for 25 bucks. We're like, oh, we'll just add that under the package. What the hell? Hopefully it'll be X Park. Anyway, <laughs> I'm the world's biggest X-Pac fan. I don't care. <laughs> um, we go to the contest. Um, we've got Big Show on commentary. And not to be outdone, um, Big Show, obviously, Miz's partner, is R-Truth decides he's going to be on commentary too. So it was a little bit surreal seeing two wrestlers opposing on the commentary table. I mean, there's that many people on the shows now, but back then it was a bit different. Mm. Um, we get some chain wrestling to start with before Ms. Cox back with a slap on Morrison. Morrison comes back with a boot and a nice assay moonsault before we go to a commercial break. When we come back, Ms. has got a face lock locked on, um, and we get a cool apron neck breaker um, in the, shown as a replay during the commercial break. Morrison gets a roll up for a two count. Ms. fires back with a clothesline for a two count before they start exchanging blows in a slugfest. Morrison comes back with a flapjack and then a shining wizard for a two count. Hits Starship Pain and just like that picks up the one, two, three in a, a good but short and fast contest. This is a really good match. Like we've been rooting around for scraps as far as Raw goes mm. all throughout this timeline. This is again like it was pretty short, but the crowd was seriously into this match. Yeah. Good sequence, Treat good heat. Yeah. Every yeah. Oh, exactly, the sequences were brilliant and they treated every sort of change in the flow of the match really, really well. Um, Big Show on commentary had some interesting stuff. He called Morrison too pretty to be dangerous. <laughs> I must have missed that line. Yeah, and right after Cole revealed that he was going to go one-on-one with R-Truth on SmackDown afterwards and he just laughed it off. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, big show. Gotta love him. And then he um he pie faces oh, truth. Oh, sorry, jump in, yeah. He called Miz a seasoned veteran as well. <laughs> he wasn't hadn't been around all that long by now. I think it's just because he he's a pro on NXT, so he's buying into that sort of narrative to get heat on the Daniel Bryan angle. They, probably they had to be trolling wrestling fans with that, didn't they? Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's the whole story, like to try and get over the fans that Bryan's more deserving than um, what he's been given, and he's, you know he went on this losing streak and that. I've never seen any of the original NXT, so that's something when they do upload that sort of the competition side of it i will watch that i watched oh, half a dozen of the 2012 episodes when it first became a, a tv show and they had jr on commentary and whatnot but it's a little bit slow going back then there wasn't many storylines it was very much a you know we've got a crowd in to watch these guys learn to work mm. so after the match big show pie faces our truth john morrison flies out with a baseball slide and um uh, I think they basically just nail Big Show and then get out of Dodge from from what I can make out of what I've written here. Yeah, um, just got, uh, post-match, Big Show gets drop-kicked by Moz and the faces bail. Okay, I did make, make out my own writing then. We're good. <laughs> We've got Triple H backstage next and in walks Randy Orton. They have some veiled threats. Um, nothing really comes of it. Basically, you know, they've got to work together, but they don't like each other is, is the gist of this promo here. And then we see we've got some San Francisco 49ers in the crowd. And Cole, um, Cole talking about Batista says a rivalry that grew more intenser this year. So not not his finest piece of commentary, but short. And we get, as you said before, the next in the lineup of Cena and Batista video packages. Hmm. There's a sign behind the 49ers that said, this beats Monday Night Nitro. Oh, really? <laughs> I, did not see, yeah. I did not see that one. Um, I don't know whether that was a veiled reference to TNA. Who knows? <laughs> You'd think it'd have to be, or either that or they hadn't been to a show in a while. Another sign I noticed, um, it just said, man, my sign sucks. <laughs> You're on absolute sign duty tonight. You found them all. Oh, just wait till we get to WrestleMania, baby. <laughs> I'm still gutted they took uh, mine off me at Survivor Series in 2014 when I was over. Only It only said, hey, Mark, just to shout out to, to my friend Mark in Ireland because I was going to a pay-per-view and I, he was going to stay up and watch it just to see me on there. But, yeah, they took it off me. Wouldn't let me take it in. Oh, God. It's amazing to me because some of these, you see, you wonder how they get through. Like, there was one on Raw this week. It was like um, free too sweet. <laughs> I think, you know what, Pete, like, looking back in hindsight, which I've done many times on the moment where I saw the pile of signs after it was too late and mine had been spotted, I, they didn't actually, like, I had a coat on and they didn't check you out. I could should have just tucked it in the back of my pants under my coat and that would have been fine, which I'm guessing half the crowd did because there was loads of signs. But if they saw your sign, they took it off you. So, one of them things. That's crazy. You can still see me waving my Manchester City scarf like a moron for the whole show. So, <laughs> second row behind the faces in the main event. Go and watch it. <laughs> um, we then get Jack Swagger joining the commentary team, and it's our final qualifier match for the Money in the Bank contest, which is swollen all the way out to 10 men. 
going to be a car crash, that one. Um, and it, oh, yeah. it's Kofi Kingston up against Kozlov. Um, Kozlov attacks first before Kofi, you know, starts dodging and trying to get out of the way of his big high-impact offense. Kozlov hits a shoulder and some Al Snow-style headbutts before hitting a suplex for a two-count. Um, and then Kofi just fires off. Um, oh, sorry, hits it, hits the SOS slam on Kofi. Um which I found funny because Kofi's theme is SOS, and that's my ridiculously lame note. <laughs> um, Kofi rolls out of the slam, hits the trouble in paradise, one, two, three, and just like that, Kofi Kingston is in the money in the bank to do a ridiculously cool spot, one can imagine. Here's hoping, yeah. Um, I don't know, there was a bunch of fluffs in this. It's just a big, fat 2005 John Cena win for Kofi here. Superman, yeah. Come back, take all the moves and hit his finish. Yeah, it's just literally the moment the crowd were getting invested in the Kofi comeback, oh, bam, trouble in paradise, it's over. Yeah, this was a nothing match. There was nothing to it whatsoever. Such an afterthought. It's such a shame for Kofi as well. Like, the, the autumn and winter of 2009, it looked like he was going to get a really big push. Yeah, definitely. And we go to a commercial break, and then we come back, and we've got a video package of Stu Hart going into the Hall of Fame. So cue that song that we're going to hear for the next God knows how many years over and over again. Sitting in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Thankfully, back then, it was just the... <laughs> Mario Kart victory. <laughs> oh, bring that back. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then we go to a um, our next contest is going to be Legacy and Sheamus taking on Triple H and Randy Orton. And coming into the match, we get a bit of a recap of last week, um, which has been so long ago. I'm not going to run through. Go and listen to the last show. <laughs> and um, we get Legacy coming out on the microphone talking about how they've taken 18 months of abuse and they are finally free. But they can't help but take some slight little digs at each other because the WrestleMania match is obviously going to be a triple threat and it's not going to be 2v1. So there's teasing a little bit of dissension here. Yeah, very, very little, very, very much too little too late. Like um, Cody, he made the point of he's six years younger than Orton and three years younger than Ted and Ted gave him a funny look for it. Um, And then, like... um, had made a little snarky comment back, but you know, as far as teasing dissension between these two goes, just it's not enough at this stage. No, definitely not. Um, and between that, Sheamus coming out, Triple H coming out, and Orton coming out, the intros take an absolute ice age. The introductions take probably about three times as long as the match we just talked about. Oh boy! So yeah, that's it's not great. Um, Triple H and Cody start out, and Triple H comes off with a clothesline before Ted comes in. Triple H works on his arm for a while, um, hesitates to tag, and then Ted gives um, Triple H a, a good smack in the mouth, knee to the face, and a drop kick before Sheamus takes a cheap shot on Triple H and tags himself in and begins stomping on the game. Excuse me. Hits some punches, and then the heels really start to do some quick tags and take control and cut the ring off. Cody comes in with a nice uppercut before Triple H fires back with a spine buster and finally does make the tag to Randy Orton. Orton comes in and unloads on everybody, including a slam, a clothesline, another slam, and a move I always enjoyed of Orton's actually the backstabber. I thought that was a cool move and really good in SmackDown games as well. 
Oh, I love that, yeah. I first saw him do that like SummerSlam 2003, and then he went like a couple of years without ever using it. I'm like, why? It's your coolest move. Between that and his um, DDT off the second rope, two big moves I always love from Orton. Yeah, stellar. Um, Cody then comes in and stops Orton hitting an RKO, and this allows Sheamus to hit a broke kick for the 1-2-3, and more importantly than that, the first whole cliche I could find, (laughs) numbers game. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) I knew you'd like I thought of you every time. He said, (laughs) the Viper! Oh, my God. The Apex Predator! You know what? before, Before we dissect this one, I tried to watch NXT before we got on before while I was having my tea, and it's painful. I between like in the first 15 minutes of the show that starts off with um mario saying get ready for a scintillating 60 minutes of sports entertainment oh fucking hell and then um it was peyton royce and oh what's the other girl um you know the two australian girls billy Kay, in a tag match and yeah who's the other guy that's on commentary not nigel um percy and percy yeah. yeah so he goes to say Oh, they've got to try and Ruby Wright's got to try and isolate one of them, but he cuts himself off, and he can't just say that. He has to say Ruby Wright's got to try and get one. Um, Ruby Wright's got to isolate one of the iconic duo in this match. I was like, oh, just stop! <laughs> stop yourself mid sentence to make sure you get the catchphrase in. It's killing me. So anyway, and that's Cole's numbers game. <laughs> it's rubbed up on everyone. <laughs> um, what did you think about the match? Punch kick, punch kick. Relatively competent, but move along. Pretty much. And then Seamus goes to attack Triple H afterwards, but eats a clothesline out of the ring, and they just stare each other down to end the segment. So, yeah, it was it was nothing, really. Filler. Mm-hmm. If you were playing... Did you ever play that uh, the wrestling simulator? Was it, like, EWR? No, never. Okay, so it's like you've got to book shows, and it's like if you if you deep into trying to get to the next pay-per-view and you're just bored and you've got too few you need to advance this is what you do you just throw them in a tag match and have it end sort of with nothing going on tag match player yeah and then we get another video for batista and john cena and yeah you're not wrong there was a ton of these through the night before we get a look at bret hart walking backstage and then we find out that at wrestlemania week they'll have a lot of new activities including a pro-am golf tournament so I wouldn't mind to see um, Sheamus and Big Show teeing off at the, you know, that that would be something I'd watch. Yeah, whole whole heap of stuff. Our Expo, uh, the Reading Rally, um, still going this day, and the THQ Superstar Challenge. Yeah, see, I, I I wouldn't mind to have a go at that. I've not really played many of the, the 2K games for a while, um, but yeah, I think I'd I'd like to go and give one of them a game. I would say uh, um, our friends over at Pro Wrestling Required Viewing, um, I've not bought a WWE game since SmackDown vs. Raw 2008 featuring ECW. Really? God, yeah. even I've had... And that was for the PSP as well. Even I've had a bunch since then. I, I've got, I had... I didn't get the... I don't think I got last... I, no, I did get last year's one. I think I've had the last two. I've not got the current one. But I did the last one I got, and I think I played two matches on it. So... The, the one before, I did play a fair bit, but I was trying to do season mode, and it, it's very tedious. Uh, I, I've been getting kind of tempted this year, but I do have a lot of stuff to play. I just got Resident Evil 7 as well. I pretty much just play FIFA all year round, and the new one came out, so I'm <laughs> set for a while. <laughs> me, me and my mate doing co-op uh, career mode or whatever it was on FIFA got me through my Masters year, basically. Yeah. 
I, I, my aim every year is to be good enough to beat all the kids that I coach when they play me online. And until I can beat them, I don't stop playing. So I play it all year round. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And we go to a, a Bret Hart, Vince McMahon hype video here. And then Bret comes out to a disappointingly small reaction from the crowd. Um, it's amazing how in a couple of months, he's, um, the steam is gone. Well, yeah, let's get into this promo because there's more substandard treatment of Bret coming up. Yeah. Um, and did you see the next sign, or am I going to pip you to one here? Uh, Owen and Davey for Holocene. Damn it, you've got it too. <laughs> <laughs> I could agree more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and so Brett basically says he left 12 years ago with a bad taste in his mouth, and he's back for what he wants, and that's Vince McMahon. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, they're, they're not giving him anywhere near the respect this feud needed. Brett tries to start a, a Brett beat Vince chant, talking about how he's Brett screwed Brett. He's going to Brett beat Vince and, and tries, and he gets a little bit of traction, but not a lot. Um, and he says he's going to have all the hearts at WrestleMania, and he says that Vince drove half the um, drove his family out, um, but all the hearts want to come and watch him get his and get him beat down. It, it's it's very. <laughs> my, mm. Sorry, my favorite line from him mentioning his family was it. Oh, I hate to see what my sisters would do to you if they get a hold of you. <laughs> Actually, sorry, I tell a lie there. Um, Brett said that Vince had driven. Uh, Brett said that Vince has driven half of his family out. I guess referring to Shane not being with the company anymore, which was a little bit, um, a bit shooty from Brett, like that that work shoot kind of thing, which back then probably would have got a reaction. Hmm. Uh, it's very long-winded, and they stumble a bit, much like my podcast. <laughs> and Vince comes out and just basically says, you're screwed. So um, a bit of foreshadowing that Vince McMahon has a plan. Yeah. Um, the other thing that stood out for me for this promo, uh, Brett calls, Brett says Vince has a scrawny neck. <laughs> You ever seen the muscle and fitness covers, man? <laughs> Not at all. Uh, that reminds me. I watched um, Hogan's first title win last night that I'm going to be reviewing with, with Richie as part of a, a bigger show. And Blassie calling Hogan a pencil neck geek. <laughs> exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love Blassie, though. He gets a pass. That's a that's a, 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 um, a prime example of not changing your material for the situation. No. Classic called everyone pencil neck geeks. <laughs> yeah. and... Hogan is much bigger than you and your man, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we go... It's like when Hall would do the survey and he'd always just say the NWO wins even when WCW got louder cheers. Absolutely. Another one for the bad guys. We go backstage to Shawn Michaels walking, which is a, a big thing of this show. We see a lot of people walking backstage uh, before going to our next commercial break. We are near the end to the road to WrestleMania, so people don't need to like drive in their cars anymore. It's just we've been walking distance, <laughs> I guess. <coughs> They're walking to the on the road to WrestleMania. That's brilliant. <laughs> And of course, he's walking out for the next contest, which is him against Kane. And I made a little note here because of, you know, uh, spoiler alert, but obviously he's in the retirement match with The Undertaker and does not win. This is actually Shawn Michaels' last ever match on Raw. 
Indeed, yeah. Uh, this is a bit of a strange match as well. Yeah, a bit of a weird one to go out with. I think we made the point that he had Jericho just as wrapping things up last time out, but this um, maybe not down the same path. And did you catch the sign at the start of this one? Oh, possibly not. Go on. Oh, I've got one. It's Tombstone Pete Rose. Oh, right. So some people have been watching. Did he ever... <laughs> Did he used to get tombstoned? He only got chokeslam at the WrestleMania I started watching. He got tombstoned at 14, definitely, and I think 14. and I think 15 as yeah. well. I'm fairly certain. He definitely got tombstoned at 14. But, yeah, uh, he's a he probably, They probably just didn't do it to him at uh, 16 because they gave him a stink face instead. Yeah, the chicken suit as well, I suppose, might have been a little bit <laughs> harder to protect your neck when you've got the feathers <laughs> flying off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, he was taking that that um, stink face. I think I'd rather have a tombstone. Yeah, <laughs> especially a cane tombstone. Yeah, I'd rather a cane tombstone than you know because you're on basically his thighs. You know where near the, the the mat. Whereas Rikishi's stink face, yeah, it's got to be all up. <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> we start the match with some chops from Shawn Michaels before Kane hits a big boot. A snapmare and a low drop kick for a two count, which was quite cool. Um, drop kicking Sean, who was on the mat. A delayed vertical suplex for a two count, a clothesline, and a sidewalk slam for a two count. Um, Sean counters the top rope clothesline from Kane um, into a cross face. So Sean was one of the first people to use that after Benoit, the Benoit situation. I think he was quite quick to claim that as one of his moves. So fair play to him. He's still using it here. Kane gets to the ropes. Uh, Sean then puts on an ankle lock, which was one I don't remember him stealing, but obviously Angle was gone at this time as well, so why not? Um, and then uh, Kane gets the ropes again. Sean hits an inverted atomic drop, a flying forearm, a hip toss, and a top rope elbow. Oh, sorry, not a hip toss, a kip up. I can't read my own writing at all tonight. Um, tunes up the band, and then Gong, the Undertaker's bell hits, the lights go out. And Undertaker with a huge choke slam on Shawn Michaels, but where the hell is Kane? He's not in the ring when this happens. Lights go back down, and they come back up, and Kane is in the ring, pins Shawn Michaels, but only gets a two. Shawn then counters a tombstone, hits sweet chin music for the one, two, three. What did you think about this one? Like I said earlier, really strange. Like when that Undertaker spot first turned up, my initial thought was. So bollocks to there must be a winner then. What was going on here? Um, just in general, like the submissions from Sean were a little bit too clunky because of the size differences. Yeah, they're not his normal like, finishes, and Kane's a big guy to be putting them on. Like he started doing that whole thing as back uh, in Survivor Series 2007. The and music got banned for his title match with Orton, so. Hey, he pulled out all these submission finishes from all the people he faced. Whatever it takes. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a pretty clever way to steal the moves. So, yeah, not, not too bad, but pretty quick. Nothing much to it. And then we go to something we've not seen for, you know, quite a while. A Batista and John Cena video package. <laughs> it must have been all of uh, 15 minutes I know. since we've had one. It's crazy. Um, and then we get told that on SmackDown, there'll be a 10-man tag featuring all the contestants of the upcoming Money in the Bank and also Vicky Guerrero versus Beth Phoenix. <laughs> Vicky Guerrero's first ever match? 
Yeah, I imagine that's going to be an absolute five-star classic. Oh, yeah. We then go to King and Cole talking about all the celebrities that have been at WrestleMania, whereas King says my favourite was Pamela Anderson and yours was Liberace to Michael Cole, so nothing like a good old-fashioned gay joke on 2010 Raw. Oh, yay. Do you notice um, so Dick Ebersole is going to induct the celebrity uh, inductee Bobby Uka, and they call Dick Ebersole the creator of Saturday Night's Main Event. Yeah, that is a, a funny one. I know he's quite heavily involved, but I would have thought Vince would still want to be the creator. Well, yeah, because like, he, he, he's like the big NBC boss that would have commissioned it, but creating it? Is that really the right thing to say? Well, he was, he was pretty heavily involved in producing. So he, um, he did bring... Um, Dick Ebersole for Saturday Night's main event was on hand for all the early shows and actually brought a lot of people in to help with the production and that's where you know the wwf get a a big sort of you know everyone's high on their production values and things and you know even back competing against wcw talked about the big difference in in watching the two shows dick episode did have a lot to do with that um taught vince a lot and is credited with um showing them a lot of different techniques for timing in and out of TV segments and things you could do. Um, I think I'm trying to think where I heard it. It might be on Bruce Pritchard's podcast where they talk about um, Dick Ebersole being quite involved with the talent as well, sort of giving guidance to Macho Man and Liz and even sort of weighing in on some of the the featured performers and things like that. So he's quite heavily involved. Interesting. Yeah. It it makes for a good story. I wouldn't mind to, um, to, to read a book on that at some point, but the Dick Ebersole and Vince um, interview together on that ESPN thing was a bit cringeworthy at the end, though, wasn't it? Oh, well. Well, you know, as, as DX have informed us on many occasions, Vince loves dicks. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I think you could still buy a T-shirt of that somewhere. <laughs> we um we talk about the Hall of Fame a little bit and a WrestleMania rundown from the commentary. Um, before we get Christian and Pete Rose talking about how they're going to get revenge on Kane and healing on San Francisco, so that was pretty funny as well. Um, Christian's laughing outside the door, and then we see the door open and Kane drags Pete Rose in. <laughs> Christian looking very fearful on the outside. This feud must continue. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and we get our slam of the week, which was the Divas mess from last week. So it is what it is. Ironically, sponsored by Just For Men with Sash and Beard. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. Before going to our next match, which is Eve, Gail Kim, and Beth Phoenix up against Maurice and Laycool. Um, out with Eve, Gail, and Beth is Mickey James and Kelly Kelly. And out with Maurice and Laycool is Vicky Guerrero and Alicia Fox. We've got a brilliant... Um, my first note here is just what a go-home main event for WrestleMania. <sighs> just not good at all. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's the final match, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it is. So we've got Shawn Michaels' last ever Raw match, and it's out-main-evented by a six-diva tag match on the go-home episode to WrestleMania. Historians would not have picked this. Um, So we've got Gail Kim hits a Hurricane Rana, which is quite cool. Um, Gail Kim can definitely go, and a clothesline for a two-count. Before Michelle McCool hits the Styles Clash, um, which she'd pretty shamelessly stolen off AJ Styles back at this time period. Yep, that was literally it. That sequence was the match. Was that the match? Hurricane Rana by Gale. Um, there's a clothesline in the corner. 
and some really cool pinning com- uh, counters between the two, and then Gale gets hit with the Faith Breaker, and that's the finish. I've I've got it written down, and I had to stop them because I can't believe that's what happened. <laughs> it's as a, exactly. My note's actually right. Two out of six got in the ring on a six-person tag team match. Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> What was the point? We've been talking about this. Exactly. We've been talking about this on Twitter. Every time Gail and Michelle have had sequences together, it's been really, really good. And they only get like two minutes in the ring if they're lucky. Sometimes it's like this, two minutes and it's the entire match. That would have been a great... Give them some title. (laughs) That would have been a great last two minutes to the 10-minute match. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. But everyone else just stood on the apron looking like Muppets. (laughs) Oh. Well, it must be like, well, we're only two minutes in. This can't be the finish, right? <laughs> oh, my God. We we <laughs> we basically just skip straight past it. We go to a recap of um, John Cena and Big Show from last week and Batista's interference. So check that as what about the 15th John Cena-Batista video of the night. Well, yeah, you know, we, we had to recap every single step of the John Cena-Batista story, of course. Yep. Uh, we couldn't have taken one video package out and let this be a proper match or take this out and add another video package either way. <laughs> mm. um, we then get Batista coming out with security guards to run down John Cena, um, mocking his catchphrases, which is pretty funny here, Batista. He's um, coming off very tweener-ish during this, um, but then starts to heal on the crowd quite well to bring it back the other way. Um, he's got his sunglasses on and a spotlight on him in a darkened arena, which is absolutely brilliant. Um, and he says that people are coming, are going to come and pay to see his greatness. This brings out John Cena. Cena talks about how he's already disappointed them when he lost his belt, and the crowd agree with him completely because they chant, "You can't wrestle." <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, <I'll spy> that. <laughs> you're not going to get any sympathy tonight, John. Batista hides behind the security guards like a brilliant heel that he is. Um, Cena says that it's typical um, that he's doing this, and that he doubts himself before firing up to booze. Batista says, they're all like you, losers. John Cena says that it's the first thing he said that makes any sense. And Batista says, what, that you're a loser? (laughs) Cena suddenly becomes confident. Um, Signs in the crowd read boring and boo. (laughs) And they begin to brawl (laughs) while security pulls them apart. Unfortunately, the security helps Batista get out of dodge and michael cole says that that's due to the numbers game <laughs> bingo and um johnny laurinaitis comes out to try and restore order in a pretty lame ending to the go home raw for wrestlemania i thought what did you think lame ending but i cannot speak highly enough of batista at the start of this promo his section was just magic like, with the Razor Ramon gimmick infringement. It's like, see hello to the bad guy! <laughs> That's really good. And yeah, like I say, when he was um, mocking Cena's catchphrases and how the fans love his lip service, he was just Robin Williams-esque. It was brilliant. It, Batista's heel work here is very, very good. I'm, I'm loving it. I think if he was going against anyone that the crowd liked, it would be amazing. And yeah, it's fabulous. Like, the way he talks about himself being a draw and how he sees money in everyone in the crowd. And, like, he sees them as money and not people. And it's <laughs> like, some people are really, really fat. And I love you because that means you bought two seats to see me. 
<laughs> yes, he did. Oh, if if this if this feud was with an Undertaker or Shawn Michaels or someone like that, it would just be absolute money. But yeah, no, it's a, sure. it's um, I Batista's awesome. Cena's probably at the height of his resentment here. He's he's very much Cena twenty ten is very much Roman Reigns twenty seventeen for me. Except Roman's becoming full circle now. I'm, I'm starting to notice. I don't know how much you read of it on Twitter, but it's, you know, people are getting so annoyed with the Roman hate that they're defending him without any basis for defending him now, and it's becoming, like, the, the worst argument ever, and you just want to tune out and not bother with it. Oh, I, I just tune out and enjoy his matches when they're good. Yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't watch the current show, so I could care less, really. <laughs> But, um, yeah, overall, like a bit of a mixed bag, Raw. I thought it probably started better than it finished. Um, the Shawn Michaels-Undertaker stuff was good. Um, the Miz and Morrison match was good. But the segments and the matches probably got worse as the, as the night went on. But, you know, it is what it is. It's the go-home to WrestleMania. They're not going to give us any five-star classics because they want everyone to plump out what was probably... Was HD there by 2010? It might be upwards, you know, towards 60 bucks for this now. Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah, they'd have been HD on pay-per-view since 2008. There you go. So they were asking some people for $60, so then they're not going to put out any great wrestling six days beforehand. Yeah, totally with you on that one. It did lose steam as the show went on, and the first two segments were really good, and it was just a bit too talky. Yeah. So it is what it is. That's Raw in the bag. Should we head over and check out what Impact had to offer? Yeah, let's take a look. Okay, and we're back to look at Impact and see how that one compared to Raw. This one, of course, is coming hot off the heels of Destination X as opposed to Raw, which was a go-home show for WrestleMania. And we start out for a bit of a rock concert light. It's Eric Bischoff in the ring strumming away on his guitar. He cuts a promo on Jeff Jarrett. He says how he is a classically trained musician and that Jeff Jarrett just uses the guitar as a prop. So that's, you know, just makes me think of the classic line, isn't it? Broke 10,000 guitars and never drew a dime. (laughs) (laughs) He broke 6,000 guitars, never drew a dime, but he thought he was the man. Yeah, I, I, I love that. Like, Bishop after he played his piece, he's like, yeah, I wrote that back in 92. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Back back to the sign front. Um, there's a <laughs> like sign saying, <laughs> where is Samoa Joe? Uh, good question. Very good question. Um Bischoff then calls out Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett teases that he's going to hit Bischoff with the guitar before leaves and... Bischoff talks just a little bit too much running down Jarrett, who's on his way backstage. So he changes his mind, comes back in, hits, picks up the guitar, and nails an unsuspecting Bischoff to a huge pop from the impact zone. That was really cool. Um, walks backstage yeah. and is congratulated by Mick Foley before the commercial break. 
and that was fabulous as well. So um, my, with a fan reaction, as soon as Jarrett starts walking back up the ramp toward, back towards Bischoff, Bishop is great playing it up, and he, he like thinks the fans are in him. He's like, "Oh, you want me to play another tune? Is that it?" <laughs> really reminiscent of the of the rock and the arrogance of him when Gold. Was it Goldberg came out during the rock concert? I'm sure it was. Goldberg would have come out during one of them. Yeah, Austin came out during the first one too. Yeah, but I'm not thought of that actually. Yeah, yeah so the, um, mm. you know, you know what I mentioned about signs being misspelled. Yeah. yeah. There was a Jeff Jarrett sign, and it only had one T at the end. Oh, it's part of the thing that you spell it, J E double F. Exactly, his whole fucking gimmick was spelling his name. Did you spell his name wrong? I just like to imagine Jeff Jarrett. Like my daughter's in in it's in here in Australia. It's called prep. It's like it's the class that you're in at school before grade one and you know they're doing a lot of spelling and reading and writing i just like to imagine that's how jeff jarrett learned how to write his name j-e-double-f <laughs> miss jarrett <laughs> it's a little six-year-old jeff jarrett just picturing it to the words <laughs> that's very good i realized something the other day um when when your daughter was on the episode that time um she shares a name with IRS's daughter. Really? IRS has got a Mika? Yeah, yeah Mika Rotunda. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm going to have to tell her that. <laughs> That's brilliant. Because everyone's been bothering her lately, Mika Rotunda, not your daughter, <laughs> about whether she's going to be Sister Abigail. <laughs> Oh, that's brilliant. Did you see, my, my daughter could have a career in wrestling just yet. She did a pretty decent Sasha Banks impersonation last month. She did, yeah. yeah she loved it. She was... um really into that it was a shame you know what the, the the i was pretty gutted on two fronts one bailey didn't make the show and then came back two weeks later typical oh, but no. then i thought like w- when i was trying to sell it to my daughter that bailey's not going to be there and she really wanted this sasha banks costume and i ordered it and i was praying it would come in time and it did and sasha had won the title a couple of weeks beforehand and i thought yeah at least she'll you know they'll have this big fatal five way sasha will reign victorious and celebrate at the end and Mika will be happy and Alexa Bliss has to beat it the bloody week before they come out and win the title, doesn't she? So, uh, yeah, no feel-good ending for my daughter, but she still had a great show. That's disappointing about Bailey, though, because when Asuka had her collarbone injury, they just sent her over to Japan anyway in a sling. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen Bailey. Come I thought they would have done that for Bailey. Just yeah. come out and run someone off. Don't even have to touch them. The pop would have been brilliant. Mm. Um, she did enjoy, though, the holding my phone up for Bray Wyatt, which I found a bit creepy. My six-year-old daughter dressed as Sasha going along to the Bray Wyatt theme, so... Oh, maybe she is Sister Abigail. You never know. <laughs> if, I, if, I, if I go to f- pick her up from school and she's on Raw instead, I'll tell you about it straight away. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, we come back from the commercial and Bischoff announces that it's going to be Foley versus Jeff Jarrett. The loser is fired and the winner gets to stick around and become Eric Bischoff's bitch. So not sure which way you'd want to go here, but that's a, a good bit of a, a revenge bit of booking there. Yeah, because he said they both crossed the line. <laughs> yeah, well, one one smacked him with a guitar and one's given him a haircut. So, you know, I suppose they're both pretty much in the bad books. We, we then go to the next match, which is Daphne and the beautiful people up against Tara, uh, Taylor, Sarita and Angelina Love in a knockout eight-person tag match. Tara comes out early and tries to save the spider, which Daphne had stolen, um, but eats a four-on-one beatdown before her partners can get out. Uh, we get a commercial break, and when we come back from the commercial break, the match is underway. Uh, Taylor hits an atomic drop before Velvet hits a 
neck breaker for a two count. Sarita hits a drop kick on Lacey. Tara comes in and hits a slingshot leg drop for a two count. Do like that move. Uh, Daphne cheap shots her though, and they triple team, and we get a, a bit of a lift and drop on her. Uh, Tara tries for the spider again, but gets caught by the heels. All the eight people come in and out, take turns hitting big moves and leaving the ring. Sarita hits a Pearl River plunge, um, and I've got here Earl drop drops for no pin. Um, okay, I think he, he went down to count them and they weren't actually going to go for a pin, so he looked like a bit of a fool. Then I had to get up and play it off. Uh. <laughs> Tara hits a widow's speak, a widow's peak, and then goes again for the spider. Uh, but das, Daphne, oh, I can't talk at all tonight. Daphne grabs her and hits her with the moss-covered three-handled family credanza for the three count. <laughs> yes, I can't do that as well. I popped so big, I popped so big when I watched um, the pre-show for No Mercy and I've not seen a drifter match in ages and he has this move called the Drift Away and it is literally just the moss-covered three-handled family credanza. <laughs> I could see that coming in my notes and I mucked up every word leading into that. <laughs> uh, just um, while we're on the subject of unexpected moves, Lacey Von Eric hits someone with a choke slam in his match. How, how did I miss that? It was it was um, it was a mile a minute. Slam. <laughs> it was right before the widow's peak. Fair enough. <laughs> you know this this had a lot of action in this actually. Um, I, I, I sound condescending when I say that, like because it's an eight woman tag, it shouldn't have. But surprise, compared to the six person tag we just saw on Raw, this had a lot of action. <laughs> Well, precisely, it's not. It's not down to the women. It's well, sorry. It's not the women's fault that Raw's division gets booked the way it was booked. Yeah. This is how you book correctly. Um, a match with so many people involved. Everyone got their fair share. It was had a lot of energy. No real botches, and the crowd were really hot for it. Having not watched TNA in this time, though, I've got to put my hand up and say I always just assumed women's wrestling sucked until I got back in and. 2014 and you know particularly with nxt with with the four horsewomen and, and then Asuka later on who i'm a huge Asuka fan i just i'd never seen any good women's wrestling so um a small patch maybe in 94 95 ish but the rest of wrestling sucked and was hard to come by so bad timing but yeah is this was really enjoyable i liked it um yeah just so mm. We go to AJ Styles and Ric Flair on crutches and a wheelchair, respectively, arriving before we get a recap of Destination X, which I won't go into because it's going to be on the next part of the show. Did you notice the bus that they arrived in? No, I've not got a note on it. It was a... Oh, so it was like a mobility bus so that Flair could be lowered yeah, down. Yeah, of course it was. Yeah, because it came out the back on the chair. Yes, it was. <laughs> but did you see what was written down the side of no? it? No. Orlando Stripperama. Oh, how did I miss that? <laughs> it's a strip club bus. <laughs> <laughs> so the strip clubs in Orlando are handicap accessible. <laughs> They'll come and pick you up. Yeah. <laughs> it's like over here we've got a... Um, uh, they're called like RSLs. It's like the um, it's the 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 pub, almost like the pubs for like retired servicemen and, and whatnot. It's where basically old people go for cheap drinks, and they've got like these bus free buses that'll come and pick you up from the local area. So <laughs> strip clubs having that is a new one on me. <laughs> okay, so. Um, Hogan and Abyss come out and they cut a promo on Ric Flair talking about how they've got his number and they talk about how Bischoff is starting to get personal um, and Hogan has told him it's only got to be business here. 
They book Team Hogan um, up against Team Flair at lockdown. They name Abyss a captain. Um, Abyss is 350 plus pounds of monster. And then they want, they need bandages and, oh, sorry, they won't need bandages and chains. They'll need a mortician afterwards. Flair comes out and says he can't kill him because he is a wrestling god. He says his team captain will be none other than Sting. The lights go out, and when they come back on, Hulk Hogan is cuffed against the post, and AJ comes out with the crutches, and we get the Pope coming out and making the save of the beatdown. Rick tries to escape in his wheelchair, which is absolutely hilarious, trying to wheel up the ramp at high speed. Hogan just walks out and grabs him, <laughs> brings him back in, and hits a sends him into an abyss clothesline on the ramp, which knocks him out of his chair. That, that was a really funny end to a pretty serious segment. Yeah, it was funny. He's literally wheeled him into the clothesline. Oh, he's trying to go a million miles an hour with them wheels. It's just, it's so funny. Yeah, so the start of this segment was finally when they admit, oh yeah, Pope's the number one contender, by the way. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we watched Destination X first, and there was zero mention of Pope at all. Yeah. Whenever anything came up with the title situation. Um,. Yeah, I just found it a bit dodgy midway through his promo. Abyss was talking about how he hoped AJ and Flair stayed at the hospital at the hotel so they wouldn't get hurt again. Like they they, they turned up earlier. Did you not see that segment? No, he's not watching. <laughs> he's watching Raw. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just again, just Hogan's rhetoric in this really confusing. Like about oh, it, well, you you mustn't be making this personal and stuff, and yet he books. A match involving his own personal rival. Yeah, pretty much the exact same thing that Flair's doing. Yeah, exactly. And again, he, like he's talking about getting this company back on track. Yeah, they've um they've gone downhill a little bit. So you know, this, this... and yeah, but you should have mentioned that in your in the verbiage of your promo though, because you're admitting you're failing. Yeah, it's a it's a bit of a a running theme isn't it of this era where they talk about how they're going to save the company whilst flushing it a little bit further down the toilet it's, it's like the opposite of the way tna or gfw or impact or whatever they're calling themselves now is where they keep on rebranding but they're like oh, we can't do another rebrand everyone's sick of this but like they need to do it because jerry's got the gfw name or whatever oh, it's an absolute mess when you think someone's come along and put Dixie and TNA and all the nonsense of the last few years out of their misery and somehow it gets worse. It's like, it's just cursed. They should, if they want a wrestling company, they should just start again. Um, we go to, we, we see RVD, Jeff Hardy and Shannon Moore arrive and one of these things is not like the other and they say hello to Christy Hemi, which is pretty much the gist of it, uh, before going to our next match, which is for the TNA Global Championship. It is Tomko up against the champion Rob Terry. Rob Tomko makes his entrance, and then Rob Terry makes his entrance to his theme, but Tomko's Titantron video keeps playing while Rob Terry's it's walking in there, so they never change videos. Oh, Rob, oh dear. Rob Terry... Rob, I can't not speak. Rob Terry no-sells some shots and hits a big clothesline, and then a World's Strongest Slam, a spin kick, and a spine buster for a three in a primetime wrestling superstars era level of squash match. This was ridiculous. Squashy, squashy, squash, squash. Yeah, Tomko had only just come back from Japan and is basically like, yeah, okay, we don't need it anymore, mate. I, I don't get that at all. Tomko's a beast. Why would you want to job him out? I don't know. 
yeah, the, the, this global championship, which is formerly the Legends Championship. Um, so it was just originally just a vanity belt for Booker T. And then when it got associated with the World Elite faction, it became a vanity belt for Eric Young. And now Rob Terry, formerly of the World Elite, has somehow got it from a house show. Okay. So it's prestigious belt. Yeah, very much prestigious. Being given to this big lump who has free moves. We then find out that Beer Money are going to be the special guest referee for the Jarrett and Foley match before Bischoff, uh, Mick Foley, and Jeff Jarrett video package plays, keeping us up to date with what's going on. And then we get Borash with Mick Foley and Jeff Jarrett in a good promo, which I'll splice in here, talking about the seriousness of what's going on. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, certainly a somber mood backstage here tonight. Jeff Jarrett, Mick Foley, in just a matter of moments, the two of you will be waging war inside the TNA ring. And certainly this war of attrition between the two of you and Eric Bischoff. Tonight, we'll see its first casualty. The two of you face now with the fact that you have to go one-on-one -on -one with the loser of this matchup tonight being fired from TNA. You know, JB, over the last several months, I've talked a time or two about walking away from TNA. But if that's going to happen, I will do it on my own accord, not because Eric Bischoff makes me go. The fact is, over the last several weeks, while I was being put in a suit, taking a little etiquette lessons, kissing Bischoff's butt, I was thinking about ways, JB, that I could force Bischoff out of TNA. And that's the thought that has kept me going. Talking about the thought that keeps you going, it's still in my head, Mick. It's still in my head. We're both men. We both have pride. But part of that pride is TNA pride. We both deserve to be here, and we both deserve to stay here. You know, Jeff, I don't, I don't want it being in my head that I'm the guy who forced out the founder, the founder of TNA. But we owe it to ourselves, and we owe it to each other to go out there tonight and show the TNA fans exactly how much this company means to us. The only way we do that is by winning. I'll see you out there. You know, Mick, I was on the outs around here for a few months. And you, above everybody, instilled in me, you put the passion back in me. So not only do I owe it to our fans, to my family, but Mick, I owe it to you. Hmm. Um, Foley's choice of words here was interesting to me. Uh, he talked about how he openly admit what well, he openly admits. He was thinking about walking away from TNA. He could just do that now Which, and leave Jared you know, with his job. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But yeah, like he's he's supposed to be getting over how much he how much passion he has for TNA and they're in this situation because they care and then he says, Oh yeah, I nearly walked away from this company. You know? Yeah. I think <laughs> yeah, the only the only real explanation is that he didn't think he'd be able to work with Bischoff, so he, he thought it would be one or the other. But yeah, it doesn't come across too well when they're about to fight for their survival. Yeah, I suppose. Um, the other thing, why is this not the main event of the show? Yeah, I know. It's such a huge match, huge angle with repercussions, and it's just sort of in the middle of impact. 
Yeah, I guess it's the hour one main event then, just going off the timing. Yeah, still, no, I, I, you're spot on the money there, though. This should have been, probably shouldn't have even been booked for this week. This should have been a, you know, next week cliffhanger and, you know, have them, you know, Bischoff could have announced that towards the end of the show and this could have been the main event next week. Mm-hmm. Something to look forward I to. I found it funny how they had a video package prepped as well. Yeah, yeah, ready to go like they knew this was coming along. <laughs> it's just been booked on the spot at the start of the show. And, oh, here's a video package for the few. I expected to be hit in the head with a guitar, so I had production put this together. <laughs> we go to Mick Foley up against Jeff Jarrett. Uh, we've got the crowd very much split early doors and not sure who they want to support. It's a bit of a slow start. Foley hits an elbow for a two count. Before Jarrett hits a sunset flip for a two count, Mick Foley with a backslide for a two count. So they're going for a lot of pinfalls early, not wanting to fight each other, which I don't really understand because, you know... They're not enemies, but they're still going to have to have a match. Um, Bobby Roode trips Jeff Jarrett. Mick Foley takes advantage. Bischoff joins the commentary team. They brawl along the outside. Jeff Jarrett hits a suplex on the ramp to Mick Foley. So good spot there. We then get a Jeff Jarrett elbow for a two count. And Jeff Jarrett tries to use the ropes for a pin. So they don't really want to fight. And then they begin cheating in a pretty short order. He only gets a two before hitting a DDT for a two count and then hits a chair, which is blocked um, and Foley gets a double arm DDT under the chair and pulls out Mr. Socko. Um, this is this pissed me off more than anything on the two shows. This is my dick move of the week here, actually, which is going to be a bit of a surprising one. It's Mick Foley for being so fucking lazy. He won't even draw a face on his sock in TNA. <laughs> oh, you serious? <laughs> it's just a random sock. <laughs> Oh my god, that is terrible. It's 30 seconds worth of effort, Mick. Come on, how lazy can you be? Put the fucking face on the sock. <laughs> well, speaking of lazy, the really awful wrestling sign from a few shows ago is back. <laughs> that has to be a plant, doesn't it? I guess, yeah. They've got to be bringing that. It's got to be like in with the ring crew or something. <laughs> Foley puts on the claw, locks on a body scissors to hold him there while he has the claw on. And... Um, Jarrett headbutts his way out, hits a stroke onto a steel chair, and picks up the one, two, three, rendering Mick Foley fired from TNA. Yes. Uh, um, oh, one thing at the very start as well I forgot to mention. Um, on commentary, they keep on plugging that this is the only chance you're going to get to see Impact this That's week. That's what my note was at the start that I couldn't read. That yeah, They're not going to do a replay. Yeah. Why would you not do a replay yeah. going against Raw? To try and force you to watch Impact overall. But surely, like I, I, I understand that thought, but the go home show to WrestleMania, like you've got to have, if, if you've got a brain, you've got to be thinking there's a chance we might get slaughtered in the ratings this week. But if we back our show, let's give them another chance to watch it. And we'll grab them next week. But if you watch Raw because it's a go home to Mania and you don't watch Impact, you're a week behind. So you're putting all your yeah. You know, there's plenty of people that'll watch both shows and you're, you're punishing them. You know? I just found it strange. Mm. But, I mean, that's obviously what they judge is going wrong, not the product, the fact that they've got this replay in its original time slot that some people choose to watch instead. Fair enough. Okay, so that's what that is. Um, after the match, I found it a little bit weird that Foley's fired, but he was consoling Jeff Jarrett because Jeff Jarrett felt so guilty. So that was a little bit strange. And beer money begin to gloat. Eric Bischoff's fake cries on commentary, which is a great heel move. And then he tells Beer Money to attack Jeff Jarrett, um, sends Jarrett's head into the chair. But then Jeff Hardy and RVD come out to make the save. RVD gets on the mic. They challenge Beer Money to a match, and Beer Money reluctantly accept. Mm. So, again, another last-minute match built up. 
Yeah, and importantly as well, this big, huge angle has been used as fodder to book a tag team match. Mm, yeah. So, you know... This is very TNA, yeah. Yeah, it's just frustrating. Like, this, you know, you were on the money when you said this should should have been the main event, but it certainly should have gone to commercial break with some, you know, a bit of a, bit of a tear-jerking moment, not booking Jeff Hardy and Rob Van Dam against Beer Money in a random tag match. It's just, yeah, a bit of a throwaway for me. Mm-hmm. On the way out, Mick Foley's <laughs> leaving, and Bubba the Love Sponge begins insulting him. So Mick Foley decks him and then walks out the door. Hogan and Bischoff are backstage and they discuss Jeff Jarrett and Hogan says that he should leave him alone because he's starting to get over with the fans. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, this Jarrett guy, he's on a roll man. <laughs> what the fuck? He founded the company. He's not starting to get over with the fans. He's day one. Well, it's like Love Sponge when he, when he interviewed Foley. He was like, oh, it's your last match ever. Let's talk about it, kiddo. <laughs> Oh, Bubba the Love Sponge. He's up there with ICP for wrestling credibility. And we get um, Chrissy Hemi with Beer Money, who cut a decent promo on Van Damme and Hardy. Bischoff Zem with Van Damme and Hardy for a promo. And then we've got Matt Morgan with an, an Hernandez video package for their little tag team breaking up feud that's been going on. Jeff Hardy, in this interview, uh, his face paint was rather sort of Road Warrior Hawk esque. <laughs> Him and Van Dam, um, I think as well, like, I've not really. I know we're ragging on the importance of things here as well, but that's sort of a dream team, isn't it? Van Dam and Jeff Hardy. It probably should have been built up for something more than we're just going to run out, make a save, and challenge beer money tonight as well. Yeah. And then we go to our next matchup, which is Hernandez up against Matt Morgan. Hernandez jumps him on the ramp, selling the sort of bitter rivalry that's been going on here. Hits some big shoulders, and they brawl along the outside. Hernandez is wearing out Matt Morgan, who begins to beg off. Hernandez hits him with a huge beal, a stinger splash, and a spine buster before Matt Morgan gets uh, Hernandez tossed out of the ring, and they brawl along the outside a little bit more. Hernandez then has his head up against the ring post and Morgan hits the carbon footprint to the head into the post in a amazingly sickening spot. Um, the referee on the floor oversells a little bit, repeatedly making the, the dreaded X sign for an injury. Um, and then we basically get the, the cameraman. He's, he's doing it on camera over and over again. Terry Taylor comes out to check on him, and then they have some more people come out with a stretcher, go to a commercial break, selling the seriousness of what's just gone on. That's an amazing spot. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. What did you think? That, that was great, yeah. Um, like, the, the in-ring work beforehand, I really enjoyed as well. And, like, say, that spot was just brilliant. I, I enjoyed, so when... When Mex jumps uh, Matt Morgan during his entrance and <laughs> afterwards he celebrates with a little jig and Matt Morgan's pyro from his entrance goes off just in time. <laughs> it's amazing. You hear as well Tanay, um you hear Tanay say to Keith Mitchell to go to commercial. Yeah, yeah. It's um that is it a series? Yeah, I, I think they probably just needed a, a tiny bit more subtlety and it could have been really special. But as it was, I thought it was pretty bloody awesome. I was just reminded of yeah. yeah. Um, commercial break, we've got the seriousness of it being sold as we come back. Um, Hernandez leaves in an ambulance before we... Um, 
Oh yeah, Terry Taylor as well. By the way, I, I forgot to mention here earlier. He came out when he did come out. He had his dad jeans and New Balance on, looking like the forty-year-old virgin. So <laughs> wrestling fashion at its finest. <laughs> um, and we've got the a video on the band. So Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Sean Waltman. A little bit of a package on what's going on with them before going to our main event, which is Beer Money up against Rob Van Dam and Jeff Hardy. Okay, at the very start of this match. Today claims that we're staying with this match until its conclusion. Yeah, it's a very nitro thing to say that. Mm. But um, we have a commercial break in this match. <laughs> so we're not really. No. Um, Jeff Hardy, with a storming start, um, hit some punches on and on James Storm. Yeah. Storm. Um, <laughs> Jeff takes out Robert Roode, then backdrops Storm outside the ring onto Robert Roode, and then goes and gets a ladder as we go to our commercial break that you just mentioned. Van Dam hits a slingshot leg, uh, a moonsault for a two count before getting caught by the heels in a two-on-one beatdown. Comes back with a spin kick. Jeff Hardy hits an inverted atomic drop and that jumping legs to the balls that he was always quite fond of doing and a front suplex for a two count. We get told by Tanae as well here on commentary that next week we're going to see Tara versus Daphne in a first blood match, which is, I'm looking forward to that. That could be good. That could be heated, yeah. yeah. And the intrigue of a women's first blood match as well. I'm pretty keen to see that. We get um, Jeff Hardy is cut off by the heels and the crowd are very hot for him getting back into the match. Um, oh, getting the tag, actually, sorry. He hits the big Jeff Hardy jawbreaker before Robert Roode hits him with a beautiful spine buster for a two count and they continue to beat down Jeff and keep him away from RVD. Jeff Hardy does get some separation and hits Whisper in the Wind. The hot tag to Van Dam, who comes in unloading with clotheslines and kicks and he is top his um, top rope sort of thrust kick as well, which is, is a favorite Van Damme spot of mine. Hits a slam, a split-legged moonsault, and the referee won't make the count because it's the wrong man in the ring. They then hit a double suplex on Jeff Hardy, a DDT onto RVD for a two count. Before Jeff Hardy comes back with a twist of fate, Jeff and Storm go to the ladder on the outside, and we get a rolling thunder by Van Dam, a swanton bomb, and a five-star frog splash in an awesome finishing sequence for the one, two, three for the good guys. Um, and then we get, um, who have we got here? Oh, Eric Young comes into the ring and tells us that next week we're going to see him team up with them up against the band. So the impact zone is very much rocking as we go off the air. They're pretty keen for that, and Van Dam and Jeff Hardy don't seem to have a problem with it either. So decent main event. What did you think? Well, the fans were going crazy for a suspiciously long time, like whilst <laughs> um, Jeff and RVD and Eric were posing in the ring. You think it might have been sweetened a little bit? I think it might have been like, we're not off, yeah, yeah, keep it going, keep it going, keep it going. Yeah, because I thought it was pretty big, yeah. Yeah. But that was a pretty good match. That had some really good moments. Like you say, that finishing sequence, just everything in one fell swoop from a rolling thunder onwards. Really, really good tag team finish. Absolutely. Very, very good. I thought it was great. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure about Again, like, it's a very WWE thing of having the super teams go over tag team specialists. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a modern wrestling trope nowadays, isn't it? Mm. But, uh, yeah, what do you Yeah, think? I thought it was good. I, I enjoyed it. I thought, um, I've got a lot of time for beer money. I think they're both good guys. And um, Jeff Hardy and Van Dam, as I said before, is a little bit of a dream team. So this was, I probably would have preferred to see this on, on pay-per-view so it could go 20 minutes because... 
Van Dam and Hardy are both main event level players in TNA, but the main event scene's probably a little bit crowded here at the moment. So, you know, they come in at any other time and perhaps come in on their own. They're going to go straight to the main event, but at the moment, it's not the way. So this is something I'd probably prefer to see on pay-per-view since I, I don't think either of them are going to be in the title picture in the next sort of month or two. Hmm. Well, I mean, this is what we were saying earlier about all these faces that didn't get featured on the pay-per-view getting utilised on the yeah. show. So, I mean, I think it's fair to say we'd be able to say without spoilers that Van Damme and Jeff Hardy and Sting and uh, who else do we have? And Foley and Jarrett weren't involved in Destination X yeah. at all. And they're all getting significant airtime here to give their angles time again. Yeah. It's tough to do with only one real TV show, that, though, isn't it? Like, I think it's 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 what we've just described then sounds a bit like sort of mid 90s wcw but they had a lot of tv to fill at that time so you know so it, it can be good and it can be bad i suppose you know it's great for the crowd to see fresh faces all the time and a little bit of a rotation so you don't get burnt out but maybe for guys like van damme and hardy who normally would expect to come into tna and go straight to the title picture it kind of hampers them a little bit but no overall at decent main event too what was a pretty easy watch impact to be honest i didn't you know there was nothing i found really too offensive the matches were good the angles were good and yeah i I thought it was pretty decent yeah i think basically when i've just got like some of the verbiage and some of the promos snipping over you've done a pretty solid job it was a pretty entertaining show all around so should we go and wrap it up and pick ourselves a winner then yeah let's see who wins and the winner's whole Speech. So, first cab off the rank I've got as production value, and, the, you know, WWE's hard to beat, but when you've got the wrong person's Titantron playing through an entrance, um, that was really the tipping point for me. So I went WWE for production values. What did you think? It's just WWE all the way, really, gonna, yeah. Like tough so. one to beat them on. Um, Crowd heat, though, I flipped it and went the other way and thought TNA's crowd was much, much hotter for the stuff they needed to be hot for. What did you think about that? Yeah, I get your point. I'm going to go with a tie here because, like you say, while the WWE crowd did falter for some things, um, there was still, like, the way they treated the Miz and Morrison match, the way they treated Michaels, uh, but there was still a lot of good interaction. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Storylines, who did you go with there? Ooh, um, oh, God, this is a tough one. See, because TNA's ones were all right, fairly self-contained, but on a bit of a like mad rush to keep it within the span of the yep. show, whereas WWE's were on the verge of WrestleMania. Um, I think I'm going to go with a, a, a tie again because like a lot of time on the WWE side of things was taken away because of all of the Batista and Cena video packages. I, I went with a tie as well, and I think it's because that feud you just mentioned, for me, they overkilled that and possibly the expense of some of the others. Um, probably did have more storyline advancement, but I thought TNA's stories were better spread and better told, so I went a tie on that one as well. Um, what about yeah. characters? Who do you feel, who do you feel like Showcase uh, had the best usage of their characters on the night? I'm going to go with the WWE here for Batista in particular and um, Michaels and the little cameo from The Undertaker is quite spooky as well. Okay. I um, 
I struggled to pick on that one as well, and I went with a tie, and mostly just because looking at names that weren't there, so like you didn't really, Undertaker was there, but you didn't get much, you didn't get anything really out of Jer- Jericho, I know there was the brand split and stuff, but they've been all appearing on Raw so far that to me it felt like they were missing, and um, of course TNA, no Kurt Angle, um, no um, Anderson, Samoa Joe, as you asked about earlier, so I think they both probably could have done more with their roster, but I guess, you know, they've got such bloated rosters that they put as many out as they could, which I guess is going to put the decider firmly into the the match quality um, category. Who did you go with there? TNA, really, just for the consistency, the better use of the women, uh, the really good match come angle with Morgan and Hernandez and the main event was pretty good as well I I think I enjoyed the Miz and Morrison match the most out of what's been on these two shows but TNA's main event wasn't that far behind and Raw didn't really have anything else of interest really I went, I went with TNA, I thought they blew Raw's wrestling out of the water, the Miz and Morrison was good but it was very very brief um, whereas TNA's wrestling overall was pretty good throughout the show. There wasn't a bad match on the show, and ones I didn't expect much from delivered in, in one way or another. The women's match had a lot of action, which I didn't expect it to be that high quality, and the Foley and Jarrett match had an awesome storyline around it. So, you know, two guys I probably wasn't that keen on seeing it, it delivered, and Beer Money's involvement, I thought, helped it along as well. So I went with TNA, which puts us in a little bit of a dilemma because we've got three categories going to WWE or sorry, three picks, three picks to TNA and four ties. So we've got a dead heat here. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I, I, picking a winner then, I guess you've got to go, maybe we'll just add in which one did you enjoy more? Well, I enjoyed Impact the more, so I was yeah fully expecting them to come out on top here. I enjoyed Impact the more as well, so I'm going to go with that. And um, being a shorter show, getting as much good stuff into it as WWE did in a longer show and finishing better. Um, I thought Impact built to a better ending than Raw did. Yeah, and I mean, like, I mean, I know we were very critical about the Jarrett and Foley match coming so early in the show, but I suppose they did have a build to a very significant point midway through and then they were able to build it up yet again with something really significant and worthwhile in the second half. Yeah, I guess the the pass I'd give them on that is at least the match they built off what I felt should have been the main event was a better match. So they they built to the better match last. And I guess as well, they did throw to a pretty significant match in the six-person tag as well as announcing the first blood for the girls. So they, they did announce two big matches for next week, which is something I think they really need to work on if they're going to compete, which, you know, don't let me know how it ends, but I'm fairly certain they need to work a bit harder than what they did. <laughs> so, yeah, really good couple of shows in the can there. Um, obviously, we're going to make this a, a two-parter head-to-head, so we're going to be back together pretty quickly. But before we wrap this one up, have you got anything else in the pipeline you want everyone to look out for? Um, well, we keep pushing it back and back, but we'll, me and Kyle are trying to organise getting together for another episode. I will be going to America at the end of the month, so we do need to sort something quickly. Oh, nice. Um, How long are you in America for? Just two weeks. Um, just New York, Denver, Portland. Get a spread that's, a, that's a big travel itinerary there. They're not yeah. close together. That's like, <laughs> it's like saying I'm going... Um, um, like Germany, Russia, and and China, or something like that. Fairly big spread <laughs> of land. <laughs> yeah, well, I wanted a, a spread of American experiences that weren't going to be like 
Oh, yeah. Oh, that's so. Have you got anything? Um, any you getting any wrestling action in while you're over there? Well, the thing is, I'm going literally the week for WWE. I'm uh, gonna be. In oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Revolution Pro got a load of shows as well. So there's literally zero wrestling going on. I- I'm go. I'm arriving like just after House of Glory had a show. So I'm going to like just narrowly missing. How's that? that? You're going to be in America, and I'm going to see more live wrestling than you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant, though. That's, that'd be really good. Well, what's your, um? And have you have you guys mentioned it, your next show with um with Kyle? What show are you, are you up to next? Well, we keep. Uh, or is it not been let out? It's not been like we're thinking. Might. I think it might be Hell in a Cell and No Mercy head to head. We have perhaps some stuff in No Mercy. It's a good idea putting pay per views head to head. That's brilliant. <laughs> My lawyer will be in touch. <laughs> That's great. No, I look forward to hearing them. But yeah, we're still really, we're still really active on Twitter at TNW Podcast, and so like and subscribe. Yeah. And- Blah, blah. It's, actually, that's the worst part about how long it's been since these shows. We've not insulted Kyle or Triple H in so very long. <laughs> and Triple H was, was you know, non, non-eventful non on this. I've not even got anything to bag him for. He was just another piece of the puzzle, really, wasn't he? Here you go, Kyle. Triple H, slacker, missed NXT tapings this week. You know, what kind of boss is that? Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. But no, that'll do it. Um, I obviously got... We're going to be back on here tomorrow at our time. So when they both come out, we'll probably be a week or so away. And then I'm going back to the 80s with Richie. And then I'm going to chew back through the rest of the um, March 96 so Carl and I can get back on and do WrestleMania. So hopefully that I, I'm not going to curse it and say there'll be a lot more shows coming up because I've said that a couple of times and then life happens. But we've got at least one show coming up and another one to record or another two to record. So you'll be hearing from us a lot in the next month. Awesome. awesome. Thanks again, Duncan. Very much appreciated. And I will speak to you again tomorrow. Yeah, great to be here again. See Hello? Yo, Q. Oh, what's up, Mr. George? Come on through, man. We're having a little get-together. I don't know, man. Your get-togethers are kind of wild. <laughs> Come on, man. You know it's one nation under a groove. I know we one nation. Come on through, man. All right. I'll be there. So wide you can't get around it So low you can't get under it